0: All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And you know, we uh, last week we talked about on Wednesday we talked about uh, biblical literacy and why it matters for every Christian. And I I told you that we we're going to talk about uh, some things that are important, but maybe not directly on your radar. I I I think that. Uh, talking about um, not only issues that are out there in the church are important, but also talking about foundational matters. And so I hope that you'll find this helpful today. Today we're going to talk about contending for the faith without being contentious. We, we have, um, if you're like me, you, you, know, you like to be outspoken about your faith, and you like to share... Things about the Bible and the truth therein in scripture and all that's great but we have to remind ourselves and be instructed about not just you know, sharing the truth and standing against error, but not being contentious. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and hopefully it's helpful to you. In, in Jude 3, uh, Jude says this, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. 2 Timothy 2, 24-26 uh, says this, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will." Well, you see, theological error and heresy have constantly plagued the church during Paul's life and even after it. And so it's no surprise here that he's teaching Timothy how to address error and heresy so that he's not contentious, uh, but that he's contending for the faith. Uh, First, Paul once more tells Timothy to shun foolish controversy in verse 23, which says, Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You You know that they breed quarrels. Now the verb here have nothing to do, it points to excusing oneself from something or seeking release. This means that there's a time to walk away from a debate in silence. A controversy is ignorant if it contradicts apostolic teaching or it's mere babble. Timothy will refuse foolish controversies because they breed fights. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel, be kind. Uh, be patient and be gentle with opponents. You see, gentle correction is more likely to read a lead to repentance. And let's be clear here. The visible church has been plagued by quarrels for two millennia. Uh, disputatious members who love to grind the sound of their critical voices about a variety of issues— Uh, are out there, craving status and attention. Critics have tried to tear down God-appointed leaders from Moses to Jesus to Paul. Now, let's be clear about what we mean about debates being foolish. These, These debates are foolish and vain if they bring no glory to God and they offer no direction to man, or if they draw distinctions that make no difference. In fact, John Calvin commented that a doctrinal discussion is it's useless if it does not edify for scripture is profitable and he says that we should leave fruitless questions and empty speculations and meditate upon those things that make for edification. Now ego here is a factor too. John tells us that Diaphrase his opponent likes to put him first himself first and third John nine combative people they, they care nothing about the havoc they cause. In fact uh, Paul says this in second Timothy two fourteen they ruin the hearers and their prattling spread like gangrene in Uh, That's what 2 Timothy uh, 2.17 says. So we must have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversy, 2 Timothy 2.23 says. In fact, Titus 3.10 says, As for the person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing to do with him. In short, we are to warn and then shun. Uh, Proverbs 20 verse 3 echoes Paul when it says every fool is quick to quarrel. Still, it it is necessary, we need to say, to engage false teaching. Proverbs 26, 4 through 5, it offers guidance through two apparent uh, contrary messages leading the reader to discern which principle applies saying this, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And so when senseless disputes begin, adults may change the subject, abandon the conversation, or even try to redirect it. Alternatively, teachers can answer a question that a participant almost asks, or we can seek to develop a fleeting remark. You made an intriguing comment a moment ago, and then, you know, comment on the comment. Nevertheless, there there's a time to correct error. Uh, we're talking about things that contradict the Bible and the gospel, especially uh, these are dangerous things. Uh, faithful biblical leaders, they guard the faith. Uh, they, ha- they may have to war- ward off fierce wolves, who try to destroy the flock or even draw away the disciples. That's what Acts uh, 28-30 tells us. And In 2 Timothy 2, 24-25, Paul tells Timothy how to address error effectively, saying this, "...and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance..." Leading to a knowledge of the truth. Now, notice what he's saying here. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, must be kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. You know, you know that word gentleness, it's a, it's a fruit, Paul says in Galatians 5, through 23. It's a fruit of the Spirit at work in our lives. As Christians, we're no longer our own. We were bought at the price of the Son of God and the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, through the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt, uh, you know, by the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit want to do? He wants to teach us the truth of Scripture. He wants to point us to Jesus, and he wants to send us out on mission. It's easy to, you know, tell somebody, "Well, you're just wrong," but but is that gentle? Is that is that coming alongside of them and pointing out their error. Uh, Paul has five traits of what effective uh, engagement looks like. First, he says that good leaders are God's servants. They defend biblical truth, not their own opinions. That, That means that what they do is that they come to the Bible... And they believe that the Bible is what it is. It's reliable. It's trustworthy. It's for every area and every phase. It's binding on our lives. It's clear. And so they defend the biblical truth. They don't defend their own opinions. They stand on the word of God. They're faithful to Scripture. Second, their demeanor is kind. It's gentle. This gentleness that Jesus modeled with Thomas and Peter is the standard. You know, you might think it's that difficult person is just somebody to be one. They're, they're, they're just an opponent. Uh, and so you you lob your theological grenade at them and you, you think that's that's what I'm supposed to do. But think about it this way. Put yourself in that person's shoes. Maybe they had... Uh, uh, an actual objection to what you were saying, and they had scripture to back that up. Uh, what does that say about you if you're just lobbing theological grenades and not asking for clarification about what they mean? And, and don't you realize that, that in the household of God, in the local church, we're supposed to do life with one another, and there are going to be people who lob theological grenades. How are you going to respond to them? Are you going to come alongside of them and, and be kind and gentle and you're, and you're probably going to get a hearing with them? Or are you just going to say whatever you want and and that'll be it? That that will be it uh, with your ministry to that person, by the way. Um, and, and don't you realize, by extension, the same is true on social media. If lobbing theological grenades is, is what you want to do, you're, you'll get a hearing maybe once, but then that person's going to tune you out because nobody wants to have theological grenades lobbed directly at them. You know what I mean? Like we need to get hold of, of this and, and the reason is, is is the Bible has so much to say about our speech and our conduct and and, and this is just one example, being kind, being gentle with, with one another. I mean, the world is so harsh and a hard place we as christians uh this this trait especially uh uh is so so vital and, and can i say gentleness sometimes it hurts it it, it it's going to cost you something to be uh gentle with somebody it might might mean that you need to overlook something that they say and and understand what they're really saying you know what i mean like you have to ask some questions you need to ask some clarification uh, you need to really understand uh, what that person uh, means and what they're saying, and and that takes time. Um, you know, I know that I've I've had to do this in in a number of situations and instances in, in my life, and it's so it's so good because what it does is it slows things down. Uh, you know, we're we're so often especially those of us who are more theologically inclined. where We're more prone to just to say whatever we want to say, but we have to remember that we need to come alongside people and really minister to them. And and the truth is, we're supposed to speak the truth, but speak it in love. You know, Jesus, uh, John one twelve says, Jesus is full of grace and truth. And so we need to minister in, in such a way uh, not just with the law, but but with grace and with the truth, speaking the truth in love. It, even as Paul tells us to uh, in Colossians, to uh, that that we're supposed to speak the truth seasoned with grace. And so, um, there's a lot there that, that that just to think about. Like, how is your approach to people? Is it really gentle? Well, anyway, the third point that Paul has here is leaders are able to teach. They deliver the truth with clarity, with conviction. There's there's no uh, ambiguity. They're, they're clear. They they mean what they mean and they say what they say. And and they're saying it with, uh, being faithful to the Scripture and pointing people to Jesus and you know inviting even. Uh, feedback and and critique on how they can improve in that area uh, so so important uh, fourth when they're patiently they patiently endure evil uh, they're able to put up with it if necessary above above all godly shepherds will correct their opponents and, and all Christians for that matter will correct their opponents with gentleness verse 25 they may ignore lesser heirs, so they can address core issues that's why we ask questions they wait they speak calmly they without haste without anger so that others can listen they can hear matthew 18:15 uh, states the right approach if if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone if he listens to you you have gained your brother now now let's be clear here what we're talking about this is in the local church we're talking about church discipline we're not talking about uh, immediately defending your position or even going in thinking that you have the right position. Again, uh, we don't want to make any uh, pretentious statements or come in with any pretentious attitudes where we're the one that's right, we've seen what's happening, we know what's happening, but, but the truth is we don't know what's happening in that person's heart, and their mind, and so we need to find out what is happening. Uh, we can state what we see, but we may not know the whole facts of the case. And so we have to be careful not to commit, you know, bearing false witness against our brother or sister. So so what what uh, Jesus is saying here, the speaker, uh, Matthew 18, 15, instead goes of waiting and, and corrects instead of complaining. He goes alone to allow dialogue, to ask questions, to have a conversation. To prevent the shame of public re- rebuke, um, unless public correction is necessary as needed and necessary later. And throughout the goal is to win a brother or a sister, not to win an argument, not to lob theological grenades. In fact, Galatians 6, one through two, it says that the spiritually mature should bring gentle correction. They watch themselves too, lest they too be tempted, for they for they know that they can also stumble. And so a gentle leader or Christian might begin with this. May I share a scripture with you? Or that's a popular idea. May I offer another perspective? Of course, bold air uh, may demand swift, candid correction, although patience in teaching should be a constant. Uh, Paul specifically instructs Timothy to Uh, Correct or instruct his opponents in verse 25. In fact, Paul's verb for the idea of correcting it it denotes education, but more often it suggests correction or steady discipline. Uh, Pastors instruct, and 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 Christian leaders they instruct those who stray in. Ignorance, but Timothy's opponents include two different kinds of settled foes. First, heretics dupe or ensnare people. And second, people can become oppositional. They always contend for power, they always pre- uh, protests the appointed leader's direction. Paul is not naive about the reception he's going to gain from heretics, but he is also theocentric as well as realistic. God grants repentance, and so repentance is an outcome that God may perhaps grant. Verse 25 says, And therefore we speak the truth in love and offer foes God's grace. We cannot persuade anyone to believe, but the Spirit may use our efforts to produce genuine sorrow. Question 87 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism defines uh, true repentance splendidly, saying this, Repentance unto life is a saving grace, whereby a sinner, out of a true uh, sense of his sin, apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, doth with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it unto God with the full purpose of an endeavor after new obedience. Now, you see, true repentance, it leads to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 25, that is, saving knowledge of the gospel. This knowledge lets people come to their senses and escape the snares of the devil, verse 26 says. And, and the devil deceives people, in part, offering ultimate meaning through approximate pleasures of happiness this is obvious in the case of sensual pr- pleasure but you see quests for power security and wealth are snares too and and people trap themselves by trusting in science and in, in the social reforms that cycle in and out of popularity or even in friendship and family there's never a shortage of proximate goods that trap us by seeking our highest loyalty and ultimately take us away from the lord and people typically resist release from their self-made traps or, or prisons for a simple reason there, there's something valuable in them security and wealth have their benefits there's always a need for constructive social reform and and therefore anyone who wishes to bring people to their sentence uh, senses in paul's words is going to need to be a patient teacher and that said many do feel the trap of sin physically the lure of food of drink of, or sensuality it can be overwhelming emotionally fear anger resentment can whirl without control we we lose too many battles with envy with anger and selfish ambition and still we need not be trapped by sin indeed escape from the devil is one way to describe salvation Jesus declares in Matthew 20, 28 that he gives his life as a ransom. In fact, Scripture describes us as captives or slaves to sin, death, and the devil, and Jesus ransoms or redeems us from that slavery. In fact, the human condition, it resembles captivity. Jesus operating from the outside can secure our release from sin and its power. Objectively, he redeems us by his precious blood, as 1 Peter one nineteen says, Subjectively, the Spirit opens our minds to God's truth. In fact, Jesus bought us at a price, the price of His own blood. Now that we're His, liberated in principle from sin, from death, and the devil. And since God delivers His people, we may help deliver others from their traps or their captivity with unbelievers. The starting point is engagement and evangelism. We may strive to help fellow believers and neighbors Escape from additional traps. We, we think first of sins and false deities, but loneliness and isolation are also snares. Uh, prisoners, refugees, immigrants endure a kind of captivity, especially if they face a language bearer. So we reach them too if we have an opportunity. Paul's dual commitment to you know grounding ourselves in the word and in biblical practice so is so evident in 2 Timothy. It applies today as much as ever. I see a desire to be biblical, uh, to ground ourselves in, in, in the truth of Scripture and to practice the truth. It drives overseers and every Christian to seek peace and to avoid quarrels. In fact, the need to be grounded in Scripture it presses leaders and should press every Christian to instruct people gently when disputes uh, touch topics of consequence. The goal is not to win arguments. The goal is to tell the truth so that people will repent. This edifies God's family, which is wounded both by heresy and by wrangling. May the Lord, therefore, grant us insight to know when to ignore petty disputes and when to correct damaging errors. And may he grant the good doctrine to drive out the bad, the biblical sound doctrine, even as the beauty of peaceful, loving Christian leaders silences contentious men and women well we've talked about a lot today about what this what this is what and even some about you know what this looks like you see the the contentious person is like a sandpaper person but what when you you know when you when you work with this what does they do they they brush up against you uh, and and they might upset you or even offend you. And how do you respond in that moment? The answer is you prepare before. You you get in your Bible and you read your Bible daily, and you and you spend some time in prayer, maybe five to ten minutes for each. And and what this does is God takes His word and He's going to plant it deep in your heart, and you're going to have something to then to share with that person who's difficult, who's challenging. And we've all dealt with this with contentious people. It seems like you're banging your head against the wall. But what I want to challenge you to do is what I've been challenged to do by many other uh, seasoned Christian leaders, and that is to pray for that person. Pray, because what ends up happening is God, by the Holy Spirit, will uh, take the truth, and he'll transform your heart, and he'll transform your approach to that person person now i know that's convicting it's convicting to me as well but here's the thing our approach should be when as we come to people who are challenging who are difficult uh even even situations that that can be divisive we we should spend that time in prayer and we should see that person as valuable valuable to the kingdom of god valuable to the advance of the gospel not an opponent to be one not somebody that you're just going to go and and tell them how it is and uh you're gonna you know correct them and rebuke the you know them and and into oblivion rather rather what you're going to do is you're going to see them through the eyes of the chief shepherd as made in the image of God, in need of the grace of God, like you. And the thing is, is there's going to be times in your life where you're on the opposite side of that. And, and even thinking about how would you want that person to come to you and respond to you. Now, you know, of course, you might wonder, well, what happens if they if they don't respond well? Well, that's that's not on you. That's between them and God. What is between you and God is how are you going to engage them? How are you going to prepare for that moment? And there are going to be moments in your life, maybe more than one, maybe multiples uh, or many 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 times when you're going to have to deal with a contentious person who thinks that they have it all figured out and that they know what's happening and everything like that and they don't have any issues that's when you need to be praying for the the lord to help you to give you wisdom to um you know you need uh, even the wisdom of your pastor or others to be able to speak the truth in love the, that this is why we even need community right we we need one another. Uh, we need to call one another out, but we need to do so in love. And this is especially true on social media. You know, we we may not know about somebody's struggle or hurt or something uh, going on, and and maybe that this, this is the real reason why they act. They're acting the way that we. They are, and and that's why we should get into each other's lives, not just make assumptions and then say, oh well you're you're wrong and things like that. You know, very rarely, very rarely have I seen um, correction in this way on social media be effective, And I'm not saying that we don't confront error, okay? If somebody is denying the gospel. And it's a gospel issue, and they're denying, for example, that Jesus died in our place and for our sin, or Jesus rose again, or something like that, or or one of those types of things, doctrines. Then absolutely, we confront, we 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 teach, we instruct with all patience, as we we have talked talked about in gentleness, and, and we even bring in others, uh, you know, to to help. But but also we we want to take a very relational approach here and, and come alongside of them and, and instruct you know uh, the statistics tell us that people don't know the bible so there is an aspect to finding out is this person um, ignorant in this doctrine do they not know what the truth is or do they know and then they're just teaching falsely there's a difference there the ignorant person they need more patience. They need they need somebody to put their arm around them and teach them that the person who is knowingly teaching falsely, they need a strong rebuke and and they need to be told, "Hey, this is not true." Uh, what you're saying is actually false uh, and we need to understand again what they're saying and and tell them in love and point them to the truth and to solid resources and and trust them to the lord that that's what we need to do we we are are just the messengers uh, and we're to be faithful to scripture And what the Spirit comes along is He uses the faithful teaching and the preaching of Scripture, and He comes along and He uses it. He opens people's eyes, and He convicts them of the truth um, and and helps them to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Well, guys, we have our time has run out today. I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equipping You in Grace podcast today, talking about contending for the faith, without being contentious. Until next uh, Monday and Wednesday, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.